The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Thank you. It is Monday, the 1st of November, 2010. This is episode 90 of The Boys of Tech, hosted by myself, that's Edwin Herman, and my co-host, Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hello. Hey, I'm a year older now, 1st of November, and you'll be following suit next month, I believe. Uh, indeed. Getting older. Oh, Still yeah. Still not as old as you. No. <laughs> Thanks. I say the same thing to my wife. She's a couple of months older than me. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'll never catch her up. It's a great feeling. Anyway, kicking <laughs> off the show, a couple of stories out of China. First of all, not surprisingly, really, uh, the Chinese have announced the world's fastest supercomputer, 2.507 petaflops. Wow. Wow. What's most impressive about it is the fact that it's a combination of CPUs and NVIDIA GPUs that they're using to break this record. And pretty efficiently as well, power-wise. Yeah, the GPUs are a lot. In fact, uh, I went to a presentation some time ago, and about a year ago now, and they were saying the same things about the trends. You know, this uh, it's now GPUs are where it's at for supercomputers. It's been going that way for a while. And uh, so, yeah, as you say, Brett, this one here has over 7,000 GPUs and over 14,000 CPUs. Yeah. So it's, it's a government-sponsored thing, isn't it? Yes, yes. Government-sponsored thing, designed and created by the National University of Defense Technology in China. And can you pronounce its name? I think it'd be, uh, yeah, I think I can. Tianhe 1A. Tianhe 1A. Hmm. I wonder what 1B is going to look like. I wonder what 2A is going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this thing alone consumes four megawatts of electricity. Four megawatts. That's a lot of heat. It is a lot of heat. It's a lot of heat. It's a lot of power. But then, what was it, earlier this month, the their big dam yeah. finally reached maximum generating capacity, so... <laughs> they're not sh- they're not lacking for the power to provide for this machine. They've had a lot of firsts recently. They've got they've you know their new fast train. Was that, that a, was that the Maglev one? Yeah, yeah, right. They've been doing quite a lot of stuff. They have. They've they've really you know China is you know we've been seeing this for a while. This is just you know evidence once more. But they've really been coming along in leaps and bounds, and it really this is really the kind of like the Chinese age now that we're in, mm. isn't? Aren't we? This is really where where it's at. They are, they are. Yeah, their economy is really starting to heat up. They're building and engineering and technology projects are just taking leaps and bounds. They're really progressing at a rate of knots in their in their technology and their engineering. And you look at the the rest of the Western world, and you're wondering. Well, come on, guys. What's what's happening here? Yeah, well, you're right. You do. You look at ourselves and you think, well, you know. Right now, we're all being screwed by the, you know, the slow economic recovery and the fact that we were screwed over in the first place with all of this global economy bottoming out. And who's winning out of this? Mm. Uh, China's taking leaps and bounds ahead. They are. 
good on them though. You know, it's it's, yeah. good, it's good for them. And you know, this uh, supercomputer is uh, going to be used for large scale scientific computations apparently because. That was the first question I was wondering, uh, you know, when what I read about really it. Use what are they going to use this machine for other than <laughs> winning the crown, which, you know, a lot of these machines are built purely to win the crown. And then as an afterthought, they wonder about what are we going to do with it? And in a lot of cases, it's take it apart and use it as bits. <laughs> well, you've got to, I mean, you know, apart from the scientific computations, who, what else, who else are they going to hack with it? Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, which algorithms they, they are they going to crack? They take off all of their stuff for, for hacking and intercepting and, you know, redirecting internet traffic, put it all in this one machine. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's, not like, it's not like all governments aren't, aren't doing this, you know? True, true, true. To, to some extent at, at, at varying scales. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, there you go. This, this thing's huge. It weighs, what, 150 tons? 155. 155 tons. That is massive. <laughs> It's pretty impressive looking. Wouldn't fit uh, in my lounge. No, no. I don't know. Actually, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't fit in anybody's lounge, really. No, no. It's, it's, Maybe it's, the Sultan of Brunei. He'd have a nice big lounge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, I can't think of any lounge that it would fit into. It, it basically takes but up very a... clean. It's very clean. <laughs> rack upon rack upon rack, all in nice, neat lines, all clean. No spaghetti cabling, at least not visible from the press yeah, photos no. that they've given. Oh, I, who, sure who knows what's are, behind, you know? <laughs> what, oh, I'm sure there's absolutely no spaghetti cabling at the back of it either. I'm sure every single plug, <laughs> every single cable is routed properly, is cabled, is connect, you know, connected in with its own little clips. Oh, and okay. there's a little label on each and every end of them showing exactly where it needs to go. Do I detect an air of sarcasm, Brett, in your voice? <laughs> this is where you're supposed to go, no, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I'm saying that's exactly how it'll be. It'll be all ordered at the back. No, I'm sure it, well, it has to be, you know. Connector is, A if, goes if, into, into slot well, B. Well, you know, with these, no, they have to be. I mean, something this size, you, you just can't, you know, have higgledy-piggledy stuff going on. It just oh, know, Exactly. Not you unless you are a Western university, in which case it's then built in your basement and it's got a switch on it that's called the magic switch. And if you switch it to the wrong one, it turns everything off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a few of those. Yeah. Now, Brett, the other thing that China's been doing uh, for the last four years is building up its mapping service. It's been taking high-resolution images, uh, aerial photos, you know, of mm. cities and other places uh, around the countryside. And they've finally launched their own mapping service, and it's called MapWorld. Nice, uh, fairly straightforward basic name. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's uh, 2.5 meter resolution in rural areas and down to <laughs> 60 centimeters in about 300 of, uh, of Chinese cities. <laughs> that is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. But then they can do that. It's like they've got all of this legislation and stuff, which, uh, you know, and what is it, mapping licenses that you need to buy into if you want to use mapping data from China of Chinese cities and Chinese areas. But yeah, they, they obviously can use it all free themselves. So <laughs> they've provided this brilliant service. Mm. Some pretty neat pictures on there looking at things like the, the, the old imperial palaces and, and different things like that, which are you know embedded in the middle of ginormous cities now. <laughs> yeah, they've been sort of, what's the word? 
consumed, consumed by urban development. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they've been consumed by. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, won't be too long until we see that happen to the the pyramids in in Egypt. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, the Great Pyramids and Giza Plateau. Already, if you just go down the hill from the parking lot at the base of the pyramids, you are in to a suburb. Because <laughs> yeah, you visited crazy. you visited yeah, yeah. the uh, not all that long ago, really. No, no, a couple of years ago, uh, I was in Cairo, and I was I'd I'd heard that everything was encroaching on these different sites, but it wasn't until we were still driving through a suburb, and suddenly we went up a little hill to a parking lot, and there were the pyramids. <laughs> wow, but that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's in a way you, you can look at it as as thinking, well, wouldn't it be it's nice urban if, expansion? Yeah, yeah, I know. It'd be kind of nice if you could keep that away somewhat, but. I yeah, guess it's just yeah. life, though, isn't it? So and there was yeah, a story, you had a story, too, about taking photography in, in those areas. What was the... You're allowed to take photos outside. Right. But if you go into any of the tombs or the temples or any of that sort of stuff, you're not allowed to take photos unless you tip your guide. And <laughs> then how it works, will, right. <laughs> and then okay. he will let you skirt the law because the law is that you're not allowed to. So the rules are that you're not allowed to, but all of the guides that you take you to these places will all tell you the rules until you get in there and then they'll say, you know, give me a little money and I'll look the other way. Do, do they say that? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, wow, okay. I didn't no, realise no, it was that like, blatant. I, I, I thought oh, that, no, it's yeah. incredibly blatant. <laughs> or maybe it was just the guy that I had, but <laughs> it was very blatant. Oh, you must have got some great picks. I. You know, uh, I, have, yeah, I haven't I actually, I must admit, you know, I haven't seen those pics, you know, since you've taken them. I'm, we must sit down sometime and, and you've got to I take should. me through them. Yeah, You have hundreds of them. I haven't even gone through them all. Oh, <laughs> you haven't picked up the best of the crop yet. No, no. Oh, well, you better do that before we sit down because I haven't got time to see three and a half thousand photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have three and a half thousand photos. Unfortunately, I kept filling up the, the, the memory card and oh. because I was on a whirlwind tour, there was there was no chance to get another memory card or to get them off. Oh, so I kept what having a pain. to go through yeah. them and delete ones. <laughs> oh no, that's that's bad I, when I, you I get to that. I nuked because I took photos of every single castle that we went past when we were going through Europe. All of these amazing castles just perched on the sides of cliffs and took photos of all these things and then I had to go through and go, Okay, that's just another castle, I'll delete that one. That's another castle, I'll delete it. That's another castle. Oh, you should have just taken a laptop with you. That's what we did. <laughs> I didn't have a laptop then. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I was trying to minimize the amount of stuff I would take with me. <laughs> I didn't want to take anything that, you know, anything that I would be really put out with if it got pinched. Yeah, there is that. But I'll tell you what would go uh, really well in that sort of situation would be the new MacBook Air. <laughs> a very paper-thin featherweight um, mm. laptop. Anyway, back to China. It's unveiled its own mapping service and of course the other story was the uh, the world's fastest supercomputer is now the new Tianhe 1A. Now on to something else, another world's first, the smallest HD, full HD I should mention, 1080p screen is something that is only 4.8 inches. It's a tiny screen. Wow, full 1080p. Yeah, this this the resolution of this thing is significantly higher. It's 458 pixels per inch, significantly higher than Apple's Retina display on the iPhone 4. That comes in at 326. This thing's mm. 458. 458. Wow. And it makes me wonder, you know, 
I have to sit back and have a think on that and go, that, that's a pretty significant achievement. That's some tiny, tiny pixels. But it's also in such a very small package that your eye can't tell that difference. <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of getting beyond the... Well, it depends how close you have it. You know? It's like, are we, does, are, we, are we building technology right now for the future of bionic eyes? Or are we expecting an advance in the evolution of the human eye soon? Or are we designing something for pigeons to be able to see? Because they've got much better eyesight than humans do. Either that or eagles. No, I know what you're saying, yeah. but yeah, it's it's it does like, depend. You can't tell the difference. What's the point? Yeah, I know, uh, but it depends well, how, other than, how you know, close it's really you hold cool. it. If you, if you look really <laughs> close at it, you, you then will you know, bring your... The resolution back into the realm of the the human eye, but yes, yeah, and normal at normal length, about ten inches, about thirty centimeters. Yeah, you're right. It is well beyond the limit of the human eye. The written mm-hmm. display is pretty much uh, teetering on the brink of, of uh, of you know what the human eye can can see. Oh, exactly. So this, as you say, going beyond, it's a bit like you know we've stopped at sixteen point seven million colors, twenty four bit color, because you don't need any more than that. You can't see any more than that. Yeah, <laughs> we're starting to get, yes, there are that many extra colors, but human eyes can't perceive them. That's so right. why bother? <laughs> it's You're putting extra power, extra effort into these things which aren't going to make a difference. As a feat of engineering, though, it is, it is very impressive. As a feat of engineering, it is very impressive. But they've stopped at a bizarre size point, 4.8 inches. It's a tad big for a smartphone. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's so, a so then what would it be used for? For a laptop or a netbook or, or any device that you'd want to be doing that sort of stuff. Oh, on. yeah. Yeah, it is. I guess they could market it at, you know, those um, media players. Those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they would work. You know, those things you get to watch your DVD on or just yeah. to play your, your AVIs and stuff on. Your uh, media player. Uh, you could do that. But then, really, really do you need 1080p? On a 4.8 inch, <laughs> are you going to be able to get that full cinema experience that this whole high definition thing was for from a 4.8 inch? Do you think this is a, a bit of a case of because we could? Yeah, it's very much a case of because we could. There's always that because we can. You know, it won't be long until we've got somebody who puts it in the two and a half inch screen at the back of your camera is full 1080p. It's like, well, why? why? Yeah. Because we can't. Well, all right then, but I'm not going to pay any more for it because I'm not going to get any more out of it. <laughs> no, eventually, you'll have no choice, Brett. Eventually, they'll all be 1080p, two and a half inches. By that time, hopefully, they cost the same or less than what the normal two and a half inch LCD screens of the standard res come in at. Well, actually, have you seen some of the new? I just saw some of the new Canon cameras, and they now have this. The, the whole back panel is a screen, the whole thing, yep. and it's in its touch. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it's yeah. all touch menus and touch yeah. screen. And, and it's, scroll, big, it's yeah. bigger than two and a half. I'm not sure what awesome. it is, but it's probably around three or so. It's, yeah, uh, yeah really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, really that, nice. That, that's cool. Because mm. it, it's that it, you do want to have a pretty good screen at the back of your camera because you do want to have a pretty good idea of what sort of quality the picture is going to end up being. Because if you've got a really crappy LCD screen, you might take a photo and go, oh, it looks perfectly fine on that little screen. But then when you look at it, get it off the camera and look at it on your computer, it's all fuzzy because yeah, you it's just either, had it slightly out of focus. Yeah, but it looks perfectly fine tiny, <laughs> on the tiny screen with the giant pixels. 
so you do want you do want some sort of pixel resolution, a good pixel resolution. But I think 1080p is just a little too, you know, a little superfluous. Well, something more important, I reckon, than resolution on the back of your camera screen would be brightness. You know, how many times are you out there in the sunlight? I need something super bright. That's what we need. Something really, really bright, and that's what yeah. I want on the back of my camera. Yeah. Well, that's when you, if you're a photographer, that's when you ignore the little LCD screen and you stick your eye through the viewfinder. Well, that's right. That, that's what real photographers do. Absolutely. Totally agree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. I can't argue with that because you're right. Now, Apple has been accused of copyright infringement in China. Hey, three stories on China this week. You, wow. Yeah. There you wow. go. <laughs> um, just a coincidence. But anyway, um, yeah, they've been accused of copyright infringement over the trademark iPad. Apparently in China, another firm owns the, the trademark. And in fact, they reckon that the value of that trademark is 800 million US dollars. Well, it could very well be. How much iPad merchandise does Apple reckon they would offload in China? Well, that's Because whatever that is, that's how much that name is worth. Well, that's how much on the Apple side. But you have to remember, there's a company who owns that. Currently, oh, yeah, so so what are they doing with it? I don't know. Maybe are they doing well, things that are worth more? Nothing. No, I don't think they're doing anything with it. I think that's the point. Oh, you think they just own it? Yeah. Yeah, they, I think they just own it. Maybe they were going to do something with the iPad because they purchased it what back in two thousand, so quite some time ago. So maybe they were, you know, going to do something, a tablet PC or something neat like that. Now they've got a much better money making use out of that. Name. Yeah, exactly. Negotiate with Apple. Negotiate with Apple. Apparently Apple's said nothing so far. Uh, no one's been able to get a comment out of Apple on this one, so who knows. But uh, you know, the Chinese company or a spokesperson of, of the parent company says that Apple's decision to sell the iPad in China, because that's what, they, you know, they, they've, for those of you who oh, don't yeah, know, they, they've, they're just, selling in China the yep, official Apple iPads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and they their comment with the spokesman co- uh, you know, from the Chinese parent company is saying that it is illegal and arrogant. Well, it is. If... Apple does not own the trademark for iPad in China, then they cannot sell something called an iPad in China. That's right. Haven't we reported on other stories where big companies like Apple and Google have gone after other people for even less of a trademark infringement than this? (laughs) This is a blatant trademark infringement. This isn't just, you know, an homage name or a parody name or anything like that or a name that's slightly similar this is a trademark <laughs> for technology and Apple is selling something with that name I don't think it would phase it. Apple too much though because all they would do should, well actually I don't know what they would do but one option available to them is that they just sell the Tied iPad or something else forever well, no. Well, there is that. Okay, that's the, that's probably the more realistic one. No, the, what I was saying was that they they can uh, they can just sell the iPad as something else over there. I mean, I don't know. Well, why, they could. But, you know, they could. Some other they name. Could, they could do that, or or they could buy the trademark, come to an agreement, and buy it, so they can call it an iPad there. Because you know, um, what I just suggested has happened before, in well, like in Australia, for example, yep. Burger, King. Burger King. Yeah, it's yep. Hungry Jacks, isn't it? Yep, Burger King doesn't exist in Australia because there's another pl- another like burger it. joint that already exactly. is called Burger King. Has been called Burger King for quite some time. So yeah. yeah, if you want a Burger King in Australia, you go for a Hungry Jacks. Hungry Jacks mm. confused me no end when I first came to New Zealand. <laughs> and it was everything was Burger King, and I was like, but but the symbol, I know that symbol. Yeah, <laughs> that's a Hungry Jacks. And you've seen that in Australia, right? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he used to eat a Hungry Jacks. Well, I'll tell you something that confused yeah. me. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something that confused me, speaking of seeing logos in different countries. If you look at Lloyd's TSB Bank in, in the UK and you look mm. at the National Bank in New Zealand, they have exactly the same logo with the, the horse. The pranty horse, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, in fact, on the National Bank of New Zealand website, it tells you about the logo, and they apparently they're using it under license from Lloyd's TSB. I don't know why they didn't come up with their own logo, for goodness sake, but I guess they just found one on the net and said, hey, we like that. Well, this is probably before the internet. They said, oh, yeah. we like that one. Can we or, use it? <laughs> I don't or, know. Or they were set up as you know a subsidiary or a side project of somebody at Lloyd's or, or part of Lloyd's. Ah, uh, could have been, yeah. That, that may well have been, actually. And so, and it then... Through iteration and iteration became the National Bank owned by different people, but the symbol has always been, was carried on from its original inspiration, which might have been Lloyd's. So, yeah, could just be one of those things that's just carried on and they don't want to change it because they're known by it now. In fact, uh, here we go. I can read a little bit to you uh, just while we're on the topic. Well, this is a, a very, very much a variety show this week, but that's, yeah. a, that's okay. We're okay with that, aren't we, Brad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, let, me, let me read this. The national, we'll waffle if we want to. We will, exactly. The National Bank's distinctive – so this is New Zealand. The National Bank's distinctive Black Horse logo had its beginnings in London in 1677 – when it was first adopted by Humphrey Stocks, a goldsmith and keeper of the running caches, an early term for a banker. Now, when Lloyds Bank took over the site in 1884, it became the symbol of Lloyds Bank and then the National Bank of New Zealand in 1978, when head office transferred from London to New Zealand. So there you go. The The implication there is that National Bank of New Zealand was a branch of Lloyds, right? Is it, is, yeah. So the, there's your answer. Mm-hmm. And that was from nationalbank.co.nz slash about slash history dot ASPX. That's pretty neat that they've got that there. Yeah, it's it's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. it explains, yeah. Anyway, all right, so back to the show. Last story for this week, the International Space Station. I don't know if you heard about this story, Brett. The International Space Station had to kind of be shifted off course to dodge a bit of space junk that was coming its way. <laughs> Imagine Doesn't that. Doesn't surprise me. Does not surprise me. It's really, really crowded up there. It is. It is crowded like up there. Every time we launch something into space, a little bit of the vehicle which launched it gets left behind and just drifts around. All of those failed satellites, satellites which are past the use-by date and are just either left up there or ones that have been collided with or meteorites have hit stuff and they've broken and so they haven't destabilized. They're just floating around up there. There's also things like gloves. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a tool. One of the astronauts lost a tool uh, when he was working damage- outside and it was just, it's now just orbiting. There's all kinds of junk just circling around up there. I wonder what kind of damage a glove would do hurtling at 1,500 k's an hour. Quite a lot. Probably would actually, eh? Yeah, you wouldn't want to get that in the face. No, not at 1,500 k's <laughs> or whatever the, the speed and is. And you would not want to get that in the solar array or... No, or an expensive parts. <laughs> or, lock, no. or your hull or your, you know, re-entry vehicle. <laughs> no, there's a huge... Huge amount of junk, and NASA spends a lot of time tracking the junk that's just floating around there. They need to get this huge, giant space net to capture it all. Yeah, yeah, the eddy. What is it? The the electrodynamic debris entangler. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> all I remember is it's called EDDE. 
<laughs> it's the, uh, the electrodynamic debris eliminator. Ah, yeah, from DARPA. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's there's so much stuff up there. It's a, it's nuts. And you know, to, the fact that the the International Space Station has to be moved off course to go around a piece of junk that's coming its way and then back onto course again, that's fairly serious stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's half the course for stuff in space. It's why you can't just willy nilly launch a rocket because you have to plan you know, it. You've got to plan it properly because you might send your rocket up and it might get hit by something which happens a piece of junk hurtling around and suddenly you've just lost, a, you know, several hundred million dollars worth of rocket and payload. <laughs> and then you've got to, you've got to alert the appropriate people to register your launch so that they know that there's something, some other debris about to be hurtling around up there. What a mess. It, it is. It is complete mess. Isn't it funny because we, we think we're so advanced and so ordered and uh, structured and, you know, all that. But And we are to some extent, but in a way we're not. You know, we look at the mess we've made up there. It's just a complete dog's breakfast, really. Yeah, oh, it's because nobody thought about those things. No, I mean, that's the thing, you know. You, you put one up there, oh, the first one's up and we, we, we've got a satellite and then... That was the Russian one, wasn't it? And then more and more. Yeah, it was like, oh, and we need some more. Sat- oh, look at all the things we can do with these satellites. Exactly. And then suddenly they started to Whoa. work out after things started to go wrong that, wait a minute, there's also a lot of crap up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something just hit our satellite and it doesn't work anymore. What was it? Yeah. Oh, look, it was a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it was a piece of a Russian portaloo from the Mir. It's... <laughs> oh. oh, there's all kinds yeah. of just... Yeah, random bits of stuff which got lost out of loading bays. You know, the, the shuttles ejected quite a lot of stuff. Things have floated away out of loading bays. Astronauts have lost things. Uh, yeah, a lot of it, though, does fall down to Earth. Some of it eventually gets down to Earth, and then it either burns up in the atmosphere or can land in your backyard, as has happened on several occasions. <laughs> People's what? houses getting a nice new skylight from a piece of orbital debris rocketing through their house. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I did a, a project once for an organization, Disaster Recovery, and we looked at various uh, risks. We, you know, we did a sort of a risk analysis. But not, <laughs> did you do one for orbital bombardment? <laughs> we, we did. We did. Space junk. I kid you not. Space junk was one of the, uh, the risks we looked at. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a risk in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's amount a, of crap up there. All it oh, needs yeah. is to take a glancing blow off of something else, and suddenly it's in your backyard. I mean, it, it's very unlikely, extremely unlikely. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, massively uh, unlikely. But it is it is a risk that uh, that we included in our mm. uh, calculations. So anyway, there you go. That's it. That's the show, Brett. Ah, short and sharp. Yeah. A little wandry, but that's how we like it. Oh, absolutely. And you obviously like it too because you're still listening. You haven't <laughs> turned off your iPod, so good on you. Or exactly. whatever media player you're, you're using. Indeed. We're not, we're not directly endorsing iPods here. No. <laughs> Any MP3 player or your computer, you could be listening to it on your television for all we care. Any comments and expressions in this show are not necessarily etc. etc. Yep. And if we sound like someone else, it's purely a coincidence, okay? Mm-hmm. And all that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get out of here. Thank you very much, Brett, for co-hosting the show. Once again, episode 90 is in the can. Always a pleasure, Ed. And thank you to all the audience listening to our podcast. Without an audience, we don't have a show. So see you again next week for episode 91. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.